Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthod, and my co-host, who I have the pleasure of sitting with this evening, is Robbie Dowling. Robbie, it's good to see you again. We're back in the same room recording this time. It's so much easier this way as opposed to fumbling around trying to record in separate locations. No, I agree. And I can also like signal to you when I want you to either stop talking or keep going because I'm not ready to talk yet. So this is nice. (laughs) The transitions may be a little bit smoother today than uh, our last last two episodes. So we got a really big win on Saturday. I... It was a great day. I was just telling you right before we went on, like how happy I was on Saturday and just multiple things that came out that day. It was awesome. We got a win over our hated rival UVA and we're going to a bowl again. And it, I feel real good about it. 12 in a row and we're going bowling. It was, it was really a big, there was a lot built up. We talked about it in that, in that one win. And I think it, it it was I was I was pretty excited as well. Um, I I watched it at first down. I had a few beers, um, probably a couple too many at some points, but uh, it was overall um, not a great game to watch, but a great win to watch. I'll put it that way. So, should we do a cheers? I think so. All right, why don't you go for it? Kick this thing off. I think the cheers that this week we're going to go with. Uh, is quickly to Justin Fuente, our new head coach, but just as importantly, um, in kind of some ways more importantly, Bud Foster sticking around. So I think that is, um, you know, we've given a lot of shout outs to Beamer this, uh, this year, all well-deserved, but uh, sometimes, you know, we forget about Bud Foster, even though, because um, he's just always been there for us. And I think it's just great that we're going to have him around for, for whatever period of time he, he ends up sticking around. But uh, we all love him, so I'm excited about that. So cheers to, to him and our new coach, uh, Justin Fuente, who we're going to talk about a bunch today. Cheers. That's right, and that is basically the only news and only news worthy about talking is that we do have a new head coach in Fuente, and we will get into it in full, but Wit getting out there and taking care of this hire right now is awesome and was just really the icing on the cake to what was Saturday and getting that win over UVA. I want to go through the game, and we're going to kind of go through it chronologically and then kind of give our takeaways because we want to get to the Fuente thing. We won 23-20, and it was ugly, especially in the first half. It was 6-6. to Brewer played absolutely terrible uh, in the the beginning, and it looked at one point like he was going to have to come out. Like he got socked in the stomach or in the ribs really badly, was writhing in pain. Looked like it ultimately turned out it was just maybe the wind got knocked out of him, but... He was in a lot of pain, and his ankle was in a boot, I think, before the game. So he was banged up, and I even tweeted at one point, like, he needs to come out after that interception. But it turns out that would have been a bad move because, as he's done in the past, he came back and made a lot of plays for us down the stretch. They missed the field goal after the interception, which was huge. So that it didn't end up costing us, but... They scored on the next drive with that long run. And at the time, when they went up 13-6, to six, I felt like that lead was insurmountable. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> didn't, didn't it feel that way? Uh, no. we, we just couldn't move the ball at all. It was abysmal how 
it was just a really tough offensive game to to watch at some points, and that was one of them. I thought I thought it could have been over right there because we weren't gonna. There was just no way for us to actually get any points on the board. And then who came through yet again? But Ryan Malik, he not only made a good catch, but then had uh, Quinn Blanding basically hit him and bounce off and was able to rumble 71 yards down to like the five-yard line, and that really sparked us. Uh, it went right to the fourth quarter, a play later, and then Sam got in uh, on a pass from Brewer to start the fourth, and that's when we really got going. The next drive, UVA, uh, they had a, a play with a nice catch that was called out of bounds by the ref, and then they caught – a touchdown pass, which was initially called out of bounds, then got reviewed and was called a touchdown. It was actually a pretty sick catch, and Severin did have not one, but it looked like both feet in on that touchdown. That's right. And again, we're like, oh, my gosh, now we have to score again. We, it just took us three quarters to score the first touchdown. But <laughs> then Ford started getting free behind everyone, and that was awesome. Like that fourth quarter with Ford just like running free on that drive over and over again, I mean, he had – uh, five of his six receptions in the second half and yep. might, maybe even in the fourth quarter and like 113 yards in that second half. And he caught that touchdown pass to tie the game, giving him his 10th touchdown to break the single season record for a receiver that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. And he went for 121, which is just, again, ridiculous. And on the last drive, when we got the ball back, it was Trayvon time. And I'll give Leffler some credit because – uh, I think Trayvon had six carries, went for 28 yards on that drive, including that one play, which I'm sure you loved, where the entire O-line pushed him like eight yards. I How – what – why did they not blow the whistle on that? I, I Believe me, I'm not going to argue with it, but, I mean, his forward progress, I guess they thought he just kept going and uh, – I, Yeah, I guess it wasn't enough of a slowdown to, to stop him. But I loved it, though. I, I mean, I was cheering, and as soon as I – I thought it had already been blown, so I, like, almost looked away from the play, and then I looked back up, and they were still moving. Yeah, and it definitely seemed at that point that Frank was – more than content or Leffler was more than content to just get that field goal yep. and let Bud take care of the rest and slide nailed the 41 yarder. And then Clark sealed it with the interception and mm-hmm. it was euphoric. The feeling that you could clearly tell the coaches were having, I was euphoric, but the way Shane and Bud and Frank were celebrating, like I'd never seen them like that. They went crazy on the sidelines. It was hugs, kisses. I think there might have been a butt slap in there. <laughs> there it was, was definitely <laughs> some kisses, I think, but it was uh it was great. It was just so awesome to see them so happy. It, you could tell like a huge weight had been lifted off their shoulders. And uh I don't know. I mean, I guess I felt the same way that they did. My buddy went to the game, and he said that he had never seen an away team celebrate so hard on the field afterwards. Like, even when they cut away for TV, he said, like, the whole team was just, like, going nuts on the field and, like, tearing up the grass. and like They took the, over the hill. The, yeah, the VT fans were, like, going nuts, the ones that had stayed, which most all of them had. Uh, and there were a lot of them there. So he said the celebration afterwards was just great. Did you have any – takeaways from the game other than just like feeling <laughs> awesome about it i had a i had a few takeaways both positive and negative i felt great about the game but you know we like breaking it down we like talking about the good and the bad brewer kind of he came back and he, he he made it not as embarrassing right he had two touchdowns he threw a pick 
went 15 for 29. That's not great, but you know it could. It looked a lot worse than that uh, for 237 yards. I thought Greg Stroman knocking Matt Johns out uh, on that sideline. That was uh, funny. <laughs> and looking at uh, rest in peace, Time Cop uh, Mike London freaking out. I think he might actually touch Stroman there. That could have been a flag, but he went nuts. And the hit, granted. It was close. I've watched it a couple times. The hit was clean. I mean, he was still in bounds. If he wanted to get out of bounds, he could have. You want to play like that, then sometimes you're going to get shoved and, and hit pretty hard out of bounds. And it looked worse because John's kind of was off of his feet when he got hit, so he kind of flew backwards. But there's no doubt he was not clearly out of bounds. And Stroman kind of standing over him, kind like kind of uh, emphasizing the hit didn't help. But yeah, London like jumping up and down and practically touching, uh, definitely touching Strowman, but practically like pushing Strowman yeah. was just it. It was weird. It was weird to see. And uh, but I love the play. And like you said about Brewer, he finished seven of nine with two touchdowns. Like he really just that guy. He's the ultimate gamer. We called him that when we first got him. People were like he's kind of a gamer, but he really is. Like when the chips are down, he just plays better. He did it last year in the UVA game, and he did the same thing in this one. And he brought us back from no bowl to a bowl in both games, and it was awesome. Yeah, I mean, on I'm not going to harp on the on the negatives much because here's the negative: if you look at any statistical metric out there. We got beaten almost all of them, whether it was third down conversions, number of first downs, total yards. We got beat by about 150. You know, none of it was great from a box score. The only box score that I care about, though, is the is the end score and in this in a game like this. And that was 23 uh, 20 for the good guys um, on the positive side. Isaiah Ford, as you mentioned, he's back on track and he. Yeah, it was called at the beginning of the season. I think we we said it that either him or Cam were going to go for a thousand yards. He's sixty yards away, so if he can do it, um, he's got the ten touchdowns. It would be pretty pretty monstrous for him. And congrats to that guy. Yeah, he and Trayvon are definitely within striking distance of thousand yards rushing for Trayvon and and receiving for a Ford, and that would be great for two young guys that are going to be here for a couple more years. That would be awesome. I wanted to say that the D played well. They obviously weren't great. We gave up some really frustrating rushing yards to a non-rushing QB. Go figure. And uh, I will say John's only passed for 171 yards when he had passed for 600 the last two games. So the area of the game where I thought might be more of an issue uh, really wasn't. Like our secondary played pretty pretty well. I mean – Obviously, you don't want to give up those rushing yards, and they had the long touchdown, which which added to their totals. But the defense played okay, despite VT being outgained by 130 yards, out first downed by nine first downs, and UVA having that 260 yards rushing. But we still found a way to win. We only committed three penalties, which, praise the Lord, fewer penalties this game. And Hughes was a weapon for us in this game. Five punts inside the 20 for Tech. Yep. And the field position really played a huge part in them being able to, to get a bunch of yards but not being able to do anything with it because we had started them with bad field position over and over again. Something you alluded to a second ago was Mike. we got Mike London fired. We finally <laughs> did it after all these years of beating their ass. 
he finally resigned. I guess technically he didn't fi- get fired, but they came to an agreement, him and the athletic department, and uh, he won't be the coach of UV anymore, which kind of makes me a little sad, but it was inevitable. The guy's just completely inept at his job. And uh, Fuente, our new coach, was announced kind of mid-game, which I thought was really odd. I was not a fan of this. Witt did, has done such a good job. There was something said during the press conference by Witt, and he's such a um, he's such a nice guy, and he's so kind of you know modest and doesn't want to kind of ruffle feathers. But he said, and he kind of chirped it. If you go back and listen, he said, "Yeah, I was mad that it got or upset that it got leaked. I think that might have been or may or may not have been intentional." And then he kind of brushed over it and he kept going it, which that's AD speak to another AD or whoever, or whatever coaches out there to F you because somebody was trying to screw things up um, either for VT or us, or somebody was just trying to get the first call as a reporter um, because people hadn't been VT hadn't been returning calls. And, and um, you know, I think whatever, but I was just, it, it didn't need to come out there. It ended up that they had to kind of rush the contract that night, get it in place so that they could come out um, and get everything finalized um, on Sunday, which they were able to do. It was just unfortunate it got leaked. And, you know, it kind of made things a little bit more exciting, but I was actually kind of petrified. I was like, oh, man, this is out there now. What if it's not true? Yeah, it was it was bizarre to see it scrolling across the bottom line and being talked about by the announcers of the game that we'd hired a new coach. Like, while this game that's important to us, maybe not important on a large scale, the Fuente news like to ESPN is way more important than the score of this UVA VT game. But it was just odd because it's like you're trying to concentrate in the game. You're like, we hired Fuente, which is awesome, but like, I want to win this game. Yep. And I'm sure that that word wasn't getting to the players because yep. I think it happened in the second half. Um, but it was still weird. It was just weird to see it happen. And it was that unfortunate. Way. Witt spent so much time and so much effort making sure he did everything right by Beamer, by everybody, um, by Fuente. I mean, it's also for him too. They they had a game that day. They were playing at the same time, right? So it's <laughs> not kicking just, ass. I might add. It's not just VT. You know, Memphis was playing at the same time. So there's a lot of ways that 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 wasn't cool. But whatever, it happened, and we're happy where we are today. Okay, well, maybe we should take a beer break before we uh, really get into the Fuente stuff. Robbie, what are you drinking? I, right now, I bought this and I, I, I was trying to be amusing with it. Now I'm, I'm thinking about it. This is a pour one out for your homie, um, Time Cop, uh, Mr. Mike London, because we went with Star Hill, Charlottesville-based beer. Uh, Which I, I thought we weren't going to do this season, yeah. but... We beat UVA, so now it's all right. <laughs> exactly. So we weren't going to, but now we are absolutely allowed to. Um, I'm doing their double platinum Imperial IPA. You can say what you will about uh, uh, about UVA, but Star Hill is a great, great brewery, and they make a lot of good beers. And this is not one of their more popular ones. You won't find it at a lot of places unless you go to a restaurant that has like a bunch of beers um, or go to like a world of beer or something like that. But uh, it's, it's delicious. I, I like it. It's got a lot of alcohol in it. It's uh, 8.6%, um, but it's not too heavy and I like it a lot. Yeah. I just cracked the same thing and it's definitely doesn't uh, bite like a true Imperial. I, I really like how smooth it is. And you're right about Star Hill. Um, it's a really good brewery, make lots and lots of good beers. So Witt acted quickly with this hiring of Justin Fuente, and 
I, we really have to commend him for that because since we have him in-house and with all the other coaching vacancies, he can now start recruiting while UVA and Maryland are you know, twiddling their thumbs trying to find someone to coach their team. It's a huge advantage, and we can't thank Witt enough for the job he did bringing Fuente here. This is obviously one year on the heels of bringing in Buzz Williams. Like Witt clearly... He's a well-respected AD, and he clearly knows what he's doing. And it's just a home run hire. It's been widely panned across multiple media outlets that, like, this is a really good hire. It's a really good fit. And I think you and I both agree on that. He came from Memphis, obviously, and they had a 26-23 and 23 record overall the last four years. But his last two years, they went 19-6. and six. And last year, they finished number tw- 25 in the AP poll. And this year, they were number 15 and 8-0 before they had a tough three-game losing streak against the three best teams in their conference, Houston, Temple, and uh, Navy. But they smashed SMU in their last game, and their quarterback, Paxton Paxton Lynch, threw for seven first-half touchdowns. And Robbie will talk about him in a little bit. But before he was at Memphis, he coached at TCU, was the offensive coordinator. They obviously had a lot of success under he and Gary Patterson. And he left there in 2012 to go to Memphis. His playing career actually somewhat overlapped with Michael Vick's. And I was just telling Robbie that in 1999, Fuente was a finalist for the Walter Payton Award, which is essentially the Heisman of FCS. And that's the same year that Michael Vick was a finalist for the Heisman. So it's just kind of an odd parallel in that respect. I was curious, Robbie, did you have any... uh, thoughts on his coaching style or his background or anything? Yeah, a few different things and then we can kind of get into you know more of how we think this this fit kind of works for for VT. Um, you know, most people know that Justin um, you know, head coach for Memphis, uh he was uh, formerly the offensive coordinator for for TCU. He runs kind of a it's a spread offense. Um he's focused first on the on the run. He likes kind of creating kind of mismatches in particular around the wide receivers. So a lot of the cool plays that you'll see uh, back in the day, TCU running, what you'll see Memphis running are like three wide receiver sets to the boundary side, not the field side and try and create mismatches. Mis- mis- mismatches easy for you to say <laughs> i know right with um with uh you know pulling linebackers out of position and you know moving safeties up uh and and really tries to kind of work and create an, an art out of the offense he talks a lot about um you know his respect under gary patterson at tcu who is a defensive minded coach for the defense he doesn't look at it as something that he necessarily um needs to to beat the heck out of he looks at it something that that he kind of respects, you know, and um, it's kind of, you know, know thy enemy type situation where he studies it and he understands what defenses are trying to do. And he, he schemes around it. Um, you know, one of the, one of the cool anecdotes that were people saying about him that in his scheme, you don't have to have great wide receivers. You need to have good wide receivers that he in his scheme will make look great. Um, 
there was there was just a lot of cool anecdotes about um you know about him uh Chris B Brown came out and he said that the guy basically was the inventor of um you know the the inverted veer slash um you know the power read when uh he he came up with that during the TCU Clemson game back in 2009 and just gashed uh Clemson over and over again they knew what they were doing and they couldn't stop it so um i think my summary would be he is well regarded as one of the brightest, maybe brightest young or just brightest in general offensive minds in the game, which we talk about what we wanted at Virginia Tech for, for a while now. And, you know, all signs are pointing to that we got it. And I, I love that because that's the, been the dream for years is that if we could ever have an offense, we've been saying that since – I mean, Tyrod, we had some good offensive years, but we've been saying it since Michael Vick. I mean, we have always been a defensive first team that if we can just put together a decent offense, we'd be good. And those were our best seasons when we did have a good offense. And that's why I'm so excited about this. We somehow got Bud to stay. And it's not that Bud doesn't love Virginia Tech, but ego goes a long way. And having someone that's 15 years older, want to swallow his pride and be like, sure, I'll be your assistant coach essentially and be your defensive coordinator. It's awesome of Bud because just like Frank, he loves tech so much and he wants to be a part of it being great again. And I think Bud knows like Fuente can really take this team over the hump. Like I think that Bud really thinks that and that's, he wouldn't have stayed otherwise. I agree that there was the cool anecdote that Bud was on a plane and he didn't know where he was going. He thought he was going to see Dan Mullen. I think that's what his guess was. And then he didn't figure out until halfway through, through the air that who he was going to see. But I thought the coolest anecdote that came from Bud was how he thinks that Justin's scheme can improve his defense because having to go up against that in practice and that spread offense, he thought that he can give a lot of insight to Justin that he may not know from the defensive side of the ball. And Justin can do it right back to him from the offensive side of the ball and how they can both improve each other's schemes um, by you know being on the same team collectively. I thought that on a plane thing with Bud not knowing where he was going until halfway through was hilarious. Like. <laughs> Wit just put him on a plane like you're going to go meet this prospective new coach. And we're not going to tell you because we don't want to risk anything getting out, which is just it's kind of like cool in a secret agent kind of way. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess I just wanted to say a couple more things about Fuente's uh, ten, uh, tendencies in that he's known for being a guy who can coach up quarterbacks. And he did it with Andy Dalton and he's done it with Paxton Lynch now at Memphis and it's funny, I told Robbie that Dalton and Lynch were actually both the same exact rivals rating, like a low three-star, 5.5 rating, and Dalton went number 35 overall in the draft, and a lot of people are thinking Paxton Lynch is going to go first round or very early second round in this upcoming draft. And to do that with two three-star QBs is pretty amazing. I mean, once it's a fluke, two times you might have a trend on your hands, and Maybe he can do that with one of the guys we have in-house because physically, Lawson and Motley, they, they're, they've got the tools. If he could shape them, then, you've, then you're going to get me really excited. But Memphis has obviously had a good offense, and they're number 12th in total offense this year, 27th in yards per play. 
Lynch in that pass offense is 14th overall. He knows what he's doing. And I said in that SMU game, Lynch had seven uh, touchdowns in the first half. He had nine completions. Seven of them were touchdowns. It's unbelievable what the offensive efficiency is there. Um, I'm not saying that SMU has a good defense, but that kind of production is just completely insane. It's still up against it's still up against Chad Morris. Call it what you will. He's rebuilding that program. But th- when I saw that stat line, I I showed it to Joe Lanza. He was sitting next to me at um at the bar, and I showed it to him. I said, "This this guy's got seven touchdowns." And that's right about the time the news was breaking. And I was I, w- I was happy as a a pig in something uh, because it was it was pretty nice to see how well that they were performing then. And you know you know Wit was just like as much as he was mad, it leaked. He was just pumping his fist like, oh, look at uh, – here's my guy just showing off in this game, uh, I guess, at SMU. No, for sure. And I was thinking the same thing because the Fuente news is being announced. And then I'm like, well, let me look up the Memphis score because, you know, they've been on a bit of a losing streak. Oh, my God. They dropped 56 <laughs> in the first half. Uh, I guess the last point I wanted to say is not only is keeping Bud awesome just because of all of our love for Bud, but the way it's going to ease the transition – from Beamer to Fuente is amazing because you can cut out almost half of the attrition Mm -hmm. because the defensive guys are still going to be playing for largely the same coaches. It's believed Wiles is going to be back. We're pretty sure Torian's going to be back. That's That's not official, but he was at Fuente's press conference, which I think speaks volumes. Mm -hmm. That is such a huge thing. When teams get a new coach, Normally, like it takes two or three years to get back because they get gutted because guys transfer and you have to restart that whole recruiting process. That's really not going to be the case. If Fuente can keep the offensive talent in-house, which we know is young and a lot of it's going to be back, this team could be special as soon as next year. I 100% agree. And I like... I already like that he, he brought over a couple people with him, uh, Holman Wiggins and uh, James Chavest. Holman Wiggins, I as soon as I heard about that, I went and looked at um, somebody linked up to the uh, his interview at Memphis when he was coming in, I think, in 2012. And I think you actually re- favored it or whatever. He is a smart guy. He's a former running back. Um, you know, he was a running back coach uh, for 2006, 2010 at Illinois State. In 2011 um, at Tulsa, he was before joining uh, Fuente in 2012, he was a wide receivers coach at Memphis. Uh, so he switched over. We don't know what he's going to be coaching yet. There's a lot of kind of, uh, more, more shoes to drop on this whole thing. Um, Shabazz, I thought was the interviews with him were hilarious and people telling him how much he has to do to keep up with Beamer ball, because he's going to be a special teams coach, tight ends and special teams coach for Virginia tech. And, uh, he was laughing, but, uh, Fuente seems to think that that guy's got a lot up his sleeve in terms of special teams. So I already like some of the people that he's bringing in. So overall, you know, if I had to summarize it, it can't, it couldn't get any better than this. I, 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 yes, there are people out there that would be mind blowing, but to get an up and comer like this, to keep Bud Foster, to have what is a top offensive mind and a top defensive mind on the same team. I don't know about you, Pete. I'm ecstatic. I am ecstatic. Mm-hmm. And then I also think of situations like, oh, Gene Chizik and Will Muschamp. They're gonna they're gonna be amazing. And then look what happened to Auburn. So I that's you know that's devil's advocate. Of course I'm excited. This is a home run in every sense of the word. I love it. 
And you can, it's reflected in how much we're paying Fuente because he will now be the third highest paid coach in the ACC. He's going to be making $3.2 million. That's third behind uh, Jimbo, who's making 5.15, and uh, Dabo, who's making 3.3. So we put our money where our mouth is, literally. And he's also going to have some adequate cash to fill out this staff. And it'll be interesting to see who comes in as his offensive coordinator, uh, where Wiggins will will uh, end up coaching because mm-hmm. Burden is still a candidate to stick around at wide receiver coach. That's right. um, it's just going to be interesting to see how it all plays out over the next month, and the bowls might all have to end before we fully know who our staff is. But he will have good money for his assistants, so it's not like we're be- we're going to be getting any uh, guy like you know scraping the bottom of the barrel for like cheap guys. Like we're going to be getting good coaches in here. And I think Witt knows that's what it takes to win. I think he absolutely does. Witt deserves all the props in the world for how he handled this from getting Beamer, helping him transition on to getting this guy in, keeping it under wraps, paying. He's just, we did so well with how, think about the turnover we've had. We got a new president. We got a new athletic director. We have a new basketball coach. Now we have a new head coach. There's been a lot of turnover. And I know for at least the fact that three of those were handled to four of those were handled perfectly. And I think this administration knows how to do it. So I, I'm really ecstatic about that. And a new school president. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy. Buzz and Fuente are awesome. But they would have never happened without Wit, who's the most important hire that happened to Virginia Tech. So big props to Whip Babcock. All the all the Hokie Nation loves him for what he's done over the past year and a half. And we said before the season that we knew he would handle the transition between Frank and whoever it is. Fantastic. And he lived up to our prediction. So it's awesome. We are eligible for a bowl now. And Robbie and I are going to go through some of the bowl possibilities and then we're going to do our picks. But first, let's do a beer break. So, Pete, I think we're uh, going to get into the beer side of things. And what are you having? Well, you bought the beer this week, and I found this one in your fridge, the Brothers Craft Brewing Optimization. And I'll say it lives up to its name because as soon as I took a sip, it was – Almost overwhelmingly hops. I know you're more of a hop head than I am, but I mean, I like double IPAs and IPAs just like the rest of them. This one has some severe bite to it, Uh, but the bottle is really cool looking and the beer is actually pretty good. Like it does have a tough bite, but I like it. 7.1% alcohol, the Hoptimization by Brothers Craft Brewing. And on the label, it says it's from Harrisonburg, but it's somewhere in Virginia. So if it's your Virginia beer... We like you. Robbie, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm, I'm in the Indica. Uh, it's an IPA. It's from Lost Coast Brewing and Cafe in Eureka, California. It actually has the address on here, 617 4th Street, Eureka, California. It's good. It has a crazy, crazy California-style logo with... Um, an elephant with its legs crossed on the front, um, wearing a bunch of jewelry and all sorts of stuff. So it's good. Very Buddhist looking. Yeah, Buddhist. Um, yeah, Buddhist, Persian, something like that. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it is um, a good beer. A little weird, and um, it actually spells out on it twelve fluid ounces instead of actually using uh, the numerical digits. So we'll go with it. I'm not a, a huge fan, but it's not that bad. 
Well, since we're eligible for our 23rd straight bowl game, I think we should do some justice and talk about the possibilities. And there's a few that I would prefer to see. And first, I just want to say uh, or lay out who's going where. Like, If Clemson wins, clearly they're going to the college football playoff. If North Carolina wins, they may or may not be going to the playoff, but they're probably going to, they're definitely going to a New Year's Six Bowl, which will probably end up being the Peach Bowl if they don't make the playoff because the Orange Bowl is one of the playoff games. There's a lot of things that can play out. I could go through scenario after scenario, but what you really need to know is Russell Athletic Bowl gets the first selection after the New Year's Six Bowls from the ACC. After that, there's five Tier 1 Bowls. They're the Belk Bowl, the Sun Bowl, Pinstripe, Music City, and the Tax Slayer Bowl. Of those bowls, and I think you probably know where all of them are, which one would you prefer to go to if you had to choose? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with... Uh, that's that's tough. I kind of like... We've never been to the Belk Bowl, is my understanding, right? I don't so think so, We've no. never done that. Um, that would be nice. It's not too far of a trip. It's a little warmer weather. I would take that. Um, I don't know. What about you? I like the prospect of the Belk Bowl because it's so close to uh, Blacksburg. It's three hours. It's in Charlotte. Uh, Obviously, the Sun Bowl we went to a couple years ago. It's in El Paso. Mm -hmm. Jacksonville wouldn't be terrible. Uh, New York City City would be awesome. And the Music City Bowl in Nashville I also think would be awesome. Uh, I think Charlotte would be number one. Music City, uh, Music City Bowl in Nashville would be number two. I should say that the reason we're eligible for a Tier One Bowl is because we finished six and six, and NC State, Louisville, and Duke finished seven and five. So we are actually eligible to be picked ahead of them. There's a good chance we can end up in a Tier Two Bowl, which would be our Military Bowl in, An- in Annapolis that we went to last year. The Independence Bowl in Shreveport, God forbid, and the Quick Lane Bowl in Detroit, also God forbid. That's not happening, and I won't let any Hokies actually go to that bowl if they do. <laughs> I'll tell them all they can come over to my place. I'll buy beer for them to keep them safe. What I've been seeing from the projections, uh, ESPN, Fox, uh, which is Stuart Mandel. And SB Nation all have us in the bulk bowl in Charlotte, which I think would be great from a fan aspect. We'd have a ton of fans there. And they all actually have us playing Mississippi State from the SEC. It could be LSU, could be Arkansas. But Mississippi State, Virginia Tech would be a fun matchup, I feel like. Yep. And probably it would le- I, they would be favored, but it's a fairly even matchup, I would say. Yeah, the way they and played then, this year. Some of the other matchups were the Independence Bowl versus Illinois, Independence Bowl versus Arizona, and Phil Steele had us in the Quick Lane Bowl in Detroit. God damn you, Phil Steele, versus Illinois. Um, here's hoping that we can get into the Belk Bowl. I think that would be the best-case scenario for us. And second best, in my opinion, would be the Music City Bowl in Nashville because I know I would go. I'm sure a lot of other Tech fans, not being too far in Tennessee, would also go go, but uh, we got some good options for bowl games, and let's just be thankful that we even have options to go to bowl games because that after UVA scored that first touchdown, I'm not sure it was going to happen. Well, interestingly enough, we would have got in anyway, which is the sad part. Now that there's a bunch of five and seven teams going in because 
there's not enough people to fill the bowl slots. And I think our uh, our rates in terms of uh, you know scholastic rates would have put kicked us up towards the top. So we would have been one of those sad, sad lonesome teams that would have had to accept a uh, a losing record but going to a bowl game or we would have had to just reject it. So is 40 bowls too much? <laughs> I think we're getting there. I think it's gotten to the saturation point. Well, I think I like it at 6-6. Six and six. It's like if you go 500, you get to watch your team for an extra game. If you're below that, you do not because if we weren't, I would not want to be in a bowl game as a 5-7 and seven team. It's like just kick us to the curb. So let's do our picks. And I texted Robbie earlier. I want to pick these championship games. We've got five legit championship games. Clearly the Big 12 doesn't do one. And I'm considering, just like what Babcock said, is there a power six? You know, like the AAC is darn close. So we're going to pick that game as well. Robbie, I'm curious of your opinion on the uh, Temple-Houston game. Houston's a six-point favorite. And, we went right after it in Temple, Temple Houston. Um, and they're going to play in Houston. Houston just routed Navy. I thought Navy was a good team. Um, and, you know, they had one, one shitty loss, and it was against UConn. Uh, I'm going to go with Houston. Um, I'll ignore the bad loss, just like the committee seems to be doing in some respects. Uh, I'm going to be uh, electing to do that as well. And, I mean, they really were playing well in that game. It was The score was closer last week than I think the game actually was. I think they're riding pretty high. I think uh, Tom Herman has just got is – it, is his contract now locked in? Did you see that? I think it's all but locked in. I think he's staying at Houston this year, but – it wouldn't surprise me if Georgia comes with a Godfather offer or something like that. Oh, and anyway, I think the kids will be happy. At least for now, my thought is it's at the time of this recording that they'll be happy he's sticking around and they'll play hard for him. I actually like Temple in this game, and I, I'm basing that on the fact that I don't think Houston has seen a defense as good as Temple's, and they have a really good defense. I'm going to take Temple in this game. Maybe it's my Philly Roots homerism coming into play, but I like Temple to cover that six-point spread. Stanford at USC. This game is actually being played in Santa Clara at the uh, 49ers stadium, and Stanford Stanford is a a four-and-a-half-point favorite. I like USC in this game. I know Stanford beat USC by 10 earlier at USC, but the fact that they just retained their coach – They've been playing well. It's hard to beat teams twice in a year by you know double digits. I'm going to go with USC. What do you think? Same. I had the same reason, same rationale. I know that's not inspiring, but I think Clay Helton's a good guy. And um, you know, a couple couple years ago, and I'm going to blank on his name, of course, but uh, they had the other uh, assistant coach that they Ed Ogeron. Yeah, Ogeron. Sorry, and they didn't keep him as head coach. It looks like USC is doing it this time. I feel like the players got to come out and kind of reward that because a lot of them said that they were going to pull, and they got interviewed and said that they were going to pull for him to become head coach and he did so i hope they kind of put their money where their mouth is and help the guy out next game is florida at alabama alabama's the home team but it's in atlanta as we all know sec championship game and alabama is 17 point favorites in the sec title game that is 
completely ridiculous, but also completely valid. And, so valid. <laughs> and I'm going to take Alabama to cover a 17-point spread. I mean, Florida State just beat Florida 27-2. to It took so, a safety for them to not get shut out. I saw earlier it was – they almost – I think it was 1988 was the last time Florida got shut out. It almost happened. The only reason it didn't was because of a safety They've looked like, since Will Greer got hit up with the whole Peds that he bought at evidently the corner store, um, as soon as he went out, they have looked really, really yeah. bad. They have they played one decent game versus LSU, and other than that, they've looked bad, and, and look what LSU's done since then, too. Michigan State against Iowa into Indianapolis. Michigan State is three-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm curious as to your thoughts on this one. I think you might have some selfish thoughts on this one. I <laughs> I have to um, rewind, uh, listen to the Pitt Virginia Tech preview episode if you want to hear my thoughts on Iowa when I when I watched their games and I thought they just had a really just straightforward run downhill offense that really kind of socked Pitt's pit in the mouth. And I kind of liked them and I liked the way that they were playing. And I, I was kind of hooked on it ever since then. They've only served to, to prove me right by knocking off, I think six more wins. That was, that was game five or game six when we were talking about that. I'm going to go with Iowa. Uh, I have to stick to it. Don't ask why let's not get into the specifics here. But um, I think they have a, a, a decent offense, a really good defense, and I think they proved that last week. They haven't played anybody, so we'll find out. Well, I have a question for you. Are you taking Iowa? Do you think Iowa will win the game, or are you just taking them against the spread? It's three and a half. That's an excellent point. I think if I'm going to go with the three and a half in a situation like this, I just got to go all the way for the win. All right, so you're taking Iowa because on the money if line. they make the playoff, it's going to be incredible. It will be pretty amazing. I'm taking Iowa against the spread. I'm not saying that they're going to win. I think Michigan State will pull this out. I think their defense is been playing really well lately and is built to stop Iowa. So I'm going to take Iowa against the spread, but I, I like Michigan State to win a close game. And the last game, which I saved for last on purpose. Is the ACC title game, UNC versus Clemson in Charlotte. Clemson is a five-point favorite. This is going to be a lot of fun. I really can't wait to see what happens. I love the orange versus the blue. It's just going to be, it's going to be a great visual game to watch. I'm taking UNC. I don't know if they will win, but Clemson, they had that streak where they were kicking everyone's butt like by multiple touchdowns. That's kind of slowed down a little bit. And while we played UNC tough, that's because of Bud Foster. Every other team in the last six weeks has gotten killed. So I know UNC is going to keep this thing close. I'm going to take them to cover that five points. I still like Clemson to win a squeaker, but I like UNC. I think that's fair. I'll take the opposite side, but I could go either way on this. I think it's going to be a fantastic game. I think it's going to be really exciting. Two really exciting quarterbacks. Let's you know the this will be the most exciting quarterback battle of the year. 
I mean, that's just fact. If you look at the stats, Deshaun Watson versus Marquise Williams, and you have Clemson, I think the real game changer here is, and it's rankings, right? But the S&P rankings on their defense are a lot better than UNC's. They actually marry up pretty well on the offensive side of the ball between those two teams. Um, but Clemson's defense, at least from you know football study hall and their S&P rankings that they put out, are actually uh, much much improved uh, over a UNC team. So that's what I'm banking on. I would not be surprised if it goes to the other direction. I think in any case, it's going to be a very close game. And I'm excited. It's going to be fun. You almost got me want to change my my pick with that with that ranking stuff about their defense, but uh, but yeah, it's it's going to be a great game, and it's good for the ACC in general. And going into next year, sanctions or not, UNC is going to be someone that we're going to be competing with because I know Marcus Williams is leaving, but that team is largely young, and uh, it'll be fun to see the the ACC on display because. All the haters that are trying to get their team in, whether it be Stanford fans, UNC fans, Ohio State fans, they're going to be watching this game to see if UNC can pull the upset. And it'll, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think that's pretty much all we got for today. Uh, we are going to be doing a more in-depth coaching review about Fuente and his assistants and all that, hopefully with, uh, with some guests. And we'll see what happens in the next couple weeks. But once the staff is official, we're hoping to have an in-depth coaching review for you guys. And it won't just be Robbie and I. It will be some people who really know what they're talking about telling you what to expect from this new offense and how the pairing of him and Bud could work together. So next week we'll have – I'm not sure if we'll do a pod next week. I think it's going to depend. Uh, the timing of we're, – we're not waiting for – I don't think – because it could be after all the bowl games that were done. So as soon as we know the bowl game, I think we'll do a preview. We'll definitely do a preview for the bowl game. So I think we'll do the preview for the bowl game. I think that as soon as we have a decent majority of the staff locked down, uh, which may be after the bowl game, um, or we can lock somebody down, and the person that we're getting is doing a whole whole bunch of film review right now. Not to give away who it is, um, but he he'll be ready to go hopefully in a couple weeks. So no matter what, you'll see you'll see a preview for the bowl game from us. Then you'll see an in depth review of Fuente and what he did at Memphis. Probably some of what he did at TCU as a, a real quarterbacks guru there. So. It's going to be we're we're not going to go silent on you, and then um, you know during those episodes we'll talk about what's going to happen here uh, during the off season and after the the bowl games. We are still in season, so we are going to try to bring you something next week. If we can't, then it will be very soon after that. But we will have a bowl preview for for you, as well as a full Fuente and staff preview for you. And until then, go Hokies.